I don't want to be a doctor, but I want to be a plastic surgeon because I want. But I wanted to work in reconstructive surgery. Then year eleven happened and decided that. Oh my god, I'm so gay and I want to make clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you you go through this thing in your teenage years where you think that like coming out is going to be the end of the world and it's going to really fuck everything up, and it doesn't. It's actually fine to be different. It's fine to be who you want to be. It's fine to be weird. It's fine to have these differences in emotions. Like, mm. you grow up and you'll find that support system. It's all going to work out at the end. Stick with it. If you're listening, you are loved and you will be loved and you're important to someone. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Holloway, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. Yes, I am back again already, beautiful people. I thought I'd squeeze in a bonus episode this week to celebrate Mardi Gras. So this is the very first Seize the Gay with my dear friend, Khan Ong. You may have already seen his stellar performance in last year's season of MasterChef, making it to the top three with his incredible innovation and culinary flair. But whether or not you watch the show, there are so many more dimensions to this wonderful human, and I wanted to share some of his inspiring and multifaceted story. Born in an Indonesian refugee camp and emigrating with his Vietnamese family in the 1990s, Khan has come out of the closet twice, had careers in fashion design, styling and music before cooking was even on the cards, and has done a stint in London all before the age of 20. He is a wonderful example that finding your yay isn't a straightforward smooth ride and takes tenacity, resilience and self-exploration. But he's finally getting there, seizing his newfound career in food with both hands, recently launching his first venue, the George on Collins, with many more exciting projects to come. Like episode 23 with Georgia and Lee, this is a beautiful mix of audio-blowing laughter and the more serious tear-jerking reflections, so I hope you enjoy the roller coaster as much as I did. Guys, I am so excited today. <laughs> Sorry, I was just taking a sip of my green juice. <laughs> We're just sipping on Green Street juices. Um, not sponsored, just amazing. <laughs> yeah, just yum. She's like, do you want one? I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> so we're hydrated as a great start. I'm so excited about this episode because it's a bonus, spontaneous, super exciting one in honour of Mardi Gras. Woo! Woo! <laughs> So let me paint a picture. Basically, I just walked into Khan's house and I said, oh, what are those cupcakes just sitting there? Because it's not unusual to find cooking activities going on in Khan's house. And he's like, they're my gay cupcakes. It's <laughs> like, how do you know they're gay? Have they come out to you? <laughs> they're they're, they're going to be iced with all the gay flag colours. <laughs> like legitimately, that's what I'm doing. I literally, and I was Googling, I was like, I need like a sugar-free icing. So I was like... Ooh, cool. Buttercream, sugar-free buttercream icing, done. <laughs> That's gay-friendly, <laughs> buttercream. <laughs> yeah, if you're on keto. <laughs> okay, so before we start our first segment, which you all know is called Way to Yay, but today it's called Gay to Yay. <laughs> I love this so much already. 
And this episode is called Seize the Gay. I'm so excited. I'm seizing my gay right now because Khan is my gay person. Um, before we start with that, I always love to start, of course, with asking everyone what the most down-to-earth thing is about them. And you're amazing already at showing your glam self, but also your down-to-earth real self on Instagram. But just in case anyone hasn't come across you before, what's something that cuts through that glossy social media surface that makes you super relatable? Okay, so I think my career is in food right now. But at the same time, sometimes I just can't be bothered cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and the more that I work now, the more that I can't be bothered cooking for myself. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I cook for like recipe testing and things like that. But like sometimes I'll just literally chop up an avocado, have some lettuce with a can of tuna. And like that would be my dinner. <laughs> and that's your gourmet dinner. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, cool. Like I go to all of these like cool restaurants and stuff. But for dinner tonight, I'm having a can of chili tuna. <laughs> and I think that's really down to earth because I think that's real life. Like sometimes you don't have the time or the energy to be cooking your dinner. So you do the easiest thing. Yeah. Totally. Mm. And I think people do think, you know, once you've been on MasterChef, everything you could do is going to be a braised double blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, no, nah, two minute noodles. That and, does me oh fine. Oh my God, two minute. No- okay. So my <laughs> housemate and I, Diana, um, Diana Chanson, she was on MasterChef the year before me. Yeah. We actually met through it. We actually cook two minute noodles all the time. And like, that's even funny because like- it's two MasterChef. <laughs> What are you? What are the two master chefs in the house make? Oh, yeah, two minute noodles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe a bit of seasoning on top. Yeah, we, we do add herbs to it, but like at the same <gasps> wow. time, we literally just sit there and go, okay, what flavor do you want? Do you want laksa? Do you want pho? What flavor do you want? And <laughs> yeah. we just have like packets of it in our pantry. Yeah, that's super down to it. I love that. That's the behind the scenes. <laughs> okay, so first segment, gay TA. Mm. Tell us about Young Khan. I mean, a lot of people in the last season of MasterChef, the whole of Australia fell in love with you. I mean, Thank we you. were already in love with you before, but the whole of Australia caught up and <laughs> got no with the can, program. Usually no one saw that, but I just did hair flicks. Ma- major <laughs> hair flicks. Nothing flamboyant about Khan. But, you know, there was a whole story before that. You had a, already had a career before anything mm. related to cooking. You're an amazing, amazing, very sought-after DJ. Thank you. Um, but also obviously have a whole life before that. So mm. take us back to the very beginning and tell us about Young Khan. So I'm Vietnamese, both parents are Vietnamese. My parents immigrated to Australia. They were refugees. You when were actually I, born in an Indonesian refugee camp. Yeah, I was born in... in you do your homework. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was born in an Indonesian refugee camp. Um, it was actually closer to Malaysia, but it was still part of Indonesia. Um, little island... Parents lived there for four years. I was born there. I lived there for two years. I don't remember any of it, obviously, because I... Actually, that's a lie. I do remember one thing. I'm, like, not scared of snakes whatsoever. And I try to figure out why that was. And I I always had this reoccurring memory that I used to play with snakes. Still do, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, like... That's what Mardi Gras is all about, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I was like to mum, like... I have this like feeling that I used to play with snakes and like mum's like, yeah, dad actually used to make a living on the refugee camps capturing snakes and they would always be in the house in like <gasps> little like woven baskets and stuff. And you used to love them. Like you used oh. to froth them. And I was like, <laughs> well, I do remember like there was a snake in my life. I just don't know. I didn't know that there were many. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So wow. that actually is my only memory of being in, in the, like in the refugee camp. Um, parents came over, obviously, when I was two. I came with them, 
Grew up in Springvale, like a Springy. very yeah typical Vietnamese community. Yeah. Lived with an auntie. Well, I realise now that she wasn't actually my auntie. We just had similar last names, and like the whole <laughs> Vietnamese community supports each other. And they're like, oh, similar last names. There must be like some kind of connection somewhere. Yeah, you're related somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back in the family tree. <laughs> yeah, but um, well, it's funny because um, mum says that she owes like basically everything to her, like this woman that wasn't even really related to us that was like supportive of trying to get us to Australia. Because um, the way it works when you're in a refugee camp is you get processed and then you get like, if you get the okay, you get brought over, but you actually have to have funds to actually pay for the trip. So oh. it's not always a paid for trip. Okay. Yeah, so she actually supported that whole system. Wow. Yeah, so That's that was amazing. really, it was really lovely. And I, like, we still speak to her now. Shit, sorry guys, that was my phone. I'm so <laughs> unprofessional. That's probably me texting you, being yeah. like, you're going to make me cry, yeah. stop. <laughs> abort, abort. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep, so was, yep. Um, yeah, so I grew, um, we lived with her for about three, four years until mum and dad were working full time and could afford to then rent and then eventually get their own place mm -hmm. um we didn't have a car for like literally the first three years my first year of primary no um what is it before primary school kindergarten yeah that's what it is <laughs> such a fob <laughs> <laughs> i was like well what, what was it um, what's that word <laughs> mum used to push me in a stroller to school and she used to tell me this story all the time but i don't remember it being like this i thought it was really fun but she's like like it would be cold can and your nose would be running and i always Aww. felt so bad that you there was no car to keep you warm to take you to school and i was like don't remember that but <laughs> yeah probably lucky yeah so that oh, was kind of like baby car. yeah the whole beginnings mum was always in the rag trade so she was a seamstress in vietnam she was a seamstress here and then she actually moved on to becoming like a pat no a um oh what is that what are they called? Samples. She made the samples. She used to make... She, she worked her way up the chain and started making samples for major retailers like um, Suzanne at, the, at that time, Portman's. Oh, so wow. she would be like... She would literally make the first item and then it would be copied oh. by all the others that was working in the factory. So that was what mum did for a while. Um, and then dad was a butcher. Um, he started his own business when I was about nine um, and that business actually has continued all the way through until now. Mum's obviously taken over. Um, Dad passed away when I was... 15. 15. Um, yeah, so um, Mum's actually grown that business to more butcher shops, fishmongers. That's so cool. It's like still around. real estate. Yeah, so she, she kept down that kind of route. I don't remember primary school being hard. I thought that it was a really fun time. I've actually always loved my schooling. The hardest thing that I actually found was knowing that my parents were working so hard to make something of themselves for me. Mm. And then it was kind of like, then it adds this pressure on of like, I needed to do better. Yeah. Because like they've made sacrifices. So I shouldn't let that go to waste. Yeah. And, like, and so this is probably when it kicks into the whole gay thing. Because it's kind of like, there were added pressures where it wasn't just an ethnic family and how their views were on gay, like lifestyles, queer lifestyles, um, things like that. So that was always like in the back of my mind. Mm. But then it was like the added pressure of like how much sacrifice that they made. And then like you feel as a child that you might disappoint your parents and you, you go through that for literally, I reckon, as a gay man anyway, I think I felt like that for the majority of my teens. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just what it is. It's just how you feel. Like it's, uh, there's no... Like, it's not like my parents made me feel that way, but it was just how... You put that pressure... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on yourself. Yeah, so... Um, 
So you, when did you come out? Or were you always out? I was pretty much always out. I came out twice. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I love you so much. You're like, people weren't listening enough the first time. It wasn't big enough. I need to do this again. <laughs> no, I, I came out um, at the beginning of year seven. So really, 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 really early. Um, at the beginning of year seven, I came out to... Um, I went to a school called Halebury mm-hmm. and I felt really comfortable there. So I came out straight away and it was like really simple, really easy. Um, no one thought anything of it. And then I moved schools. Mm-hmm. So I oh. went to Melbourne High. So everyone, just to give you some context, Melbourne High is the brother school of what where I went, which is McRobb. And they're, you know, selective academic, selective entry academic schools that are you know, there's a lot of pressure to be mm. a particular type of person. Definitely. To obviously, academics is the main focus, but I think because of the nature of the selective entry academic yep. criteria, it's it's maybe a, I don't know about less diversity, but you know, it's 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 so hard to explain. But yeah, it's a different, very very different environment. Yeah, it's a very different environment. Um, it made my mother and my father's like whole life I was going to say in, like, <laughs> as, as a Vietnamese man like as an Asian um, my parents were like you have to get in because everyone else would be so jealous that my son got in <laughs> <laughs> that's the main reason yeah. not for your future no. not for anything <laughs> it's for pride so yeah <laughs> so I got into Melbourne High but then like Melbourne High is an all boys school very academic like it was just to- it was a total different like environment to what I was used to. Like, Halebury is a private school. Everyone's actually quite open-minded. Mm. And, like, they, I think um, everyone kind of was really supportive of each other. Uh, whereas at Melbourne High, I felt like it's an all-boys school. I'm not going to have that support system. I'm going to go back in the closet. <laughs> so you went back in? I, just I shut I those doors? shut those doors. <laughs> put some clothes on, headed back into the closet. <laughs> Lived under the stairs, Took Harry Potter vibes. my heels off, was like, shit. <laughs> Shaved oh. my head. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very conservative, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it is very conservative. But then I came back out, like, like oh, sorry. Was that the first swear word? No, you're allowed to swear. Oh, okay. Yeah, people Yay! swear all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I have to hold my tongue. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, um, I came back out, like, six or seven months later. It was all fine again. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. But at the same time, I didn't feel comfortable still mm-hmm. at the school. So I spoke to mum and dad and they were like, yeah, cool, if you make the schooling cost the same, you can go back to Halebury. What do you mean? Well, Melbourne High... As in if you get a scholarship to go back yeah, to Yeah, well, Halebury? basically, yeah. They, they didn't say it like that. They just said, <laughs> you make the schools cost the same and you can go back. Wow. And I was like, all right, how are we going to do this? <laughs> Melbourne High is a government school. Halebury is a private school. Very yeah. different fees. Ve- very system. different fees. Oh, I think we're talking like 30 grand against three grand. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a massive number. It's a massive number. But so I was like, all right, academic scholarships only go up to 50%. Like that's still like 15 grand out like what yeah. do I do so I applied for so first I applied for a general excellence scholarship because I was really like I was into the sports I was into theater I was into music I I was an all-rounder I was into my arts like mm. so I applied for the general excellence scholarship and Haley were like yep you can have it it's 50 percent and I was like okay cool and I was like I don't I, I need it to be more than 50 percent and they're like well if you can well you can try for a academic scholarship and it'll bump it up if you get through. And I was like, okay. The night before 
my exam for the scholarship, my mom decides to throw a party because <laughs> it was on a Saturday. The scholarship <laughs> exam was on a Saturday, and I was, it was a Friday. I was up until 3 a.m. <gasps> uh, like with her, like with all her friends, like just <laughs> laughing. And then I had to do the exam the next day. Oh my gosh! Long story short, aced it, got the full scholarship, oh, went back okay. to Haileybury. <laughs> but I was like, Mum. What was that all about? And she goes, we didn't want you to come back. We were trying to do anything that would stop you from coming back. Oh but we gosh. already made that promise to you that if you made schooling the same. Oh, she was sabotaging <laughs> I know. How evil. So scheming. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But it all worked out. Came back to Halebury, loved it, still love it to this day. Mm-hmm. I've got my 10-year reunion coming up. Oh. I know. I'm a kind of like... Oh my god, I'm getting so old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already had mine, so <laughs> I hear. I'm like, yeah, ten years is the first milestone. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next one's twenty. Oh my god. Anyway, went back to Halebury, loved my time there, um, had a really nice couple of years, and then that's when Dad told us that he had liver cancer, which he had known about for two years, but like, mm. kind of tried to keep it from us. Oh. Because he was still building his businesses at the time. Yeah. And so he put that to the forefront and he was like, health doesn't matter right now. I need to work. I need to set my family up. Yeah. Which obviously an amazing thing to do, but at the same time, what the fuck? Yeah. Like <laughs> literally, what the fuck? How do we yeah. plan and process this it, when you've been holding it in it was ridiculous. all this time? It was just yeah. literally ridiculous. But um, it's it was his decision and it was done by that point because by the time that he told us he was in the final stages so it was like then mum kind of like went full on health and was like okay how do we make this work so we stopped doing the conventional medicine kind of route and we went to like witch doctors we went to like psychics I love how you call them witch doctors (laughs) (laughs) they're witch doctors okay well there was was one that was really ridiculous one told mum and dad that if they flew to Vietnam and released a hundred snakes my dad would get better and I was like that doesn't make any sense like it doesn't make any sense anyway but at that point mum was like anything yeah anything throw everything at me like throw everything at me I will go and I will do it so Dad was like, no, we're not doing that. It's going to be a wasted trip. I'm not going to Vietnam for like a week to, re- to find these snakes <laughs> and release them into the wild. Yeah. And then, oh, and the biggest thing was after that, they were supposed to get separated. That was what the witch doctor said. Your parents? Yeah. The witch doctor was like, well, after you release the snakes, it would clear like his energy. But the reason that, yeah, because the reason that, dad is sick is because mum's life force was too strong and it was suffocating his oh and i was like okay that is so ridiculous <laughs> like i'm i'm very spiritual yeah like i care about like the crystals and astrology like we, i literally i went to um you know our friend tara yeah she had a launch last night of her yeah yeah, company. Yeah. Brothers, yeah yeah but there was an astrologist there just like as a guest and we were like standing with her for like an hour yeah. and being like so my chart like yeah. <laughs> tell me more tell me which houses <laughs> yeah it's in. like Cancer Moon, yeah. no, Leo Rising. Yeah. This is why I'm crazy. <laughs> Retrograde. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, but mum was all for it. She was like, you know what, if you're going to live, great, let's just yeah. do it. Dad was totally against it. We Mum booked the ticket. She's like, we're doing it. It's our last thing that we're like, because modern medicine was like, no, you've got three months left. Yeah. That's the end. Yeah. Mum and dad booked tickets. They were going to go. We were all going to go. The night before we left, dad passed away. And oh. it was like, I 100%, I say it to mum all the time. Mum agrees. He didn't want to go. 
Like yeah, he, he didn't want. Like, he didn't want to get buried in Vietnam. That's yeah. what. He, I, that's what he didn't want to do. He didn't want to pass away in Vietnam and yeah. not be able to come back. So he was like, "Nah, this is it." Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, but it was really weird because we kind of knew it was coming. So I wasn't in shambles at that point. Yeah. Like I actually went back to school the next day, just <gasps> lived my life normally, and it was like the weirdest situation. And I actually never dealt with it until about a year and a half after. Mm. So the fi- like my final year of VCE, it was like bang, everything just came down at once, finished my VCE exams, had a massive go at my mum, like literally had the biggest fight with her. I rolled out of a moving car. That oh was how big of a fight it was. <gasps> we were having a conversation, so I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, no, 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 this is really annoying me. I don't want to speak about this anymore. Yeah. Opened the door, got out of the car while it was still moving. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm really crazy. Like, I'm really <laughs> insane. I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds drastic. But also, I'm like, it's Khan, so. <laughs> oh, no. no, but, like, you know. <laughs> That's I, a Tuesday. I, I, I don't like being in situations that I find uncomfortable. Yeah. And I always try and make a joke out of it or something yeah. to make it, like, lighthearted. But that I couldn't do anything at that point. So, I was like, I need to escape. <laughs> like, I need to escape. <laughs> yeah. And, like, so I, I watched Crazy Stupid um, Love the other day. And there was a scene at the beginning of the movie where he does the same thing, where he doesn't want to have a conversation. <laughs> and he opens the door and he rolls out. I was like, I relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what is happening here. <laughs> yeah, so after oh, that, gosh. decided I wanted to get as far away from mum as possible. Like, literally, we had, like, a massive breakdown in the relationship. Left the country. Is that when you went to London? London, yeah. Ran to London. Got into central St. Martin. So I applied. So, oh... There is so much going on in this story. I know. I'm, I'm like, like, I've got so many dot points to follow <laughs> yeah, up later. I'm like, you're whoa. Like, Khan just goes in all tangents. <laughs> um, so during this time, during schooling, I wanted to be two things. First was a plastic surgeon. Really? Loved it. Would start, totally do it if it didn't take me 11 years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if, if someone could give me that shit yeah, quickly. If someone could like teach me all of that and I could go out and be a plastic surgeon, tomorrow I would do it. I did not know that about you. Like, loved it. Like, studied biology, studied chemistry, physics. Not because I was made to, because I actually wanted to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Then year 11 happened and decided that, oh, my God, I'm so gay and I want to make clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even, even when I was doing my research, I was like, how do I put this in order? Like, there's fashion there's DJing there's like food there's like everything Mm. and it's so beautiful also that it did come from you know when you look at what your parents did your mum as a seamstress your dad as a butcher it's like the cooking and the fashion do kind of have you know really long-term links yeah and then my grandparents were both musicians Oh, like wow. on oh, so side. DJ. Oh, my Yeah, gosh. so it all makes sense. Like, yeah. mum was like, it all makes sense. But except the plastic surgery. <laughs> yeah, except the plastic surgery. I don't know. I think the plastic surgery happened because mum wanted me to have a career that was stable. Yeah. So she obviously wanted me to become a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing, I'm gesturing yeah. at Sarah right now. <laughs> I'm the bad Asian who left that job. <laughs> <laughs> An accountant, a doctor. And then when I was looking at those things, I was like, I don't want to be a doctor, but I want to be a plastic surgeon because I want. But I wanted to work in reconstructive surgery. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so not like cosmetic. Not cosmetic. More like. But like cosmetic, but like or... kind of like, but like reconstructive. So yeah, it's okay. kind of like, I, my whole thing was I like making people feel good, mm. and I felt like that's like reconstructive surgery is a field that makes people feel really good about themselves because you lose so much confidence. Mm. 
through that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can make a, such a big impact on people refinding yeah. their confidence in exactly, themselves. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, so that's where that all came from. And then year 11 happened, wanted to make clothes. So at Halebury, you could do fabrics, well, design tech, but there was a fabrics wing of it, but it was an all-female class. Wow. Is this a thing you did through Melbourne School of Fashion? No, like this is another do... thing. Oh. Okay, so Halebury, <laughs> so that, that was like one of the things you could do as a subject, design okay. tech. Halebury, the educational system kind of is parallel. It's not like co-ed. So, oh, the, so the girls aren't in the same in class. The same class. Oh, no, wow. so the, we go to school together, but we are not in the same classes. Okay. Um, so we have lectures together. So um, we ha- I don't know why we have lectures either because we're in high school, but like we have <laughs> things where we have a, like we literally have like a 200 seat lecture theatre. Yeah, okay. And so everyone who does like psychology would have one lecture a week and all the psych classes will sit into this lecture. But then your classes are separate. Yeah, but all your yeah. actual practical work is separate. Okay. Halebury only really went co-ed um, maybe 10, 8, uh, 8. How old am I? Yeah, like it didn't, it wasn't always co-ed. It yeah. was all boys and then it went co-ed. So, so it's a really my, interesting way yeah. to do it. My first year at Halebury was co-ed year. Okay. So yeah. that I was in year seven at that point. It would, would have made it like 2003 or four. Anyway. Um, we're so old. I know, we're so old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's like 18 years. I know, no, but in 10 really years' bit. time, we're going to be like, we were so young yeah. then. <laughs> Remember when we did that podcast yeah. and we were like, and we we're, thought so, we're old. so old. And now we have like four kids and you've had like three husbands. And you're me. my reconstructive <laughs> surgeon. <laughs> the husband thing was about me, not about Sarah, yeah. because Nick and Sarah are going to be together forever. <laughs> But Khan's going to be our plastic surgeon, so yeah. we're going to look the same forever. <laughs> no, no. That's why they're going to be together forever. I'm going to keep giving them facelifts so yeah. they always look different. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so design tech. Design tech. Loved it. Wanted to be a fashion designer. So much so that as soon as I applied for year 11 design tech, I decided I need to step this up. Went to Melbourne School of Fashion and did an after-hours program. Monday, Wednesdays, three hours a day. It was fashion business pad making garment construction. So those mm. were the things that I was doing. Decided that nah, this is literally what I want to do. Did not care about any of the other subjects at school. Only concentrated on what would get me into design school. Yeah. So it was fashion, math, English. Because I don't know why, but you needed them to get into design school. So that's all I concentrated on. Everything else sidelined. Applied for Central St. Martins because I wanted to go to the best school in the world mm-hmm. for what I wanted to do. Got in. So that was ridiculous because... That's amazing. That's the degree in fashion design. Yeah, that's yeah. the degree in fashion design. Alexander McQueen did it. <gasps> like, yeah. a lot of the major fashion designers are from Central St. Martins because what happens is final year of Central St. Martins, you get placed in a major fashion house. So yeah, it's like okay. Chanel, Versace. Oh like, we're talking a major fashion house. They take usually... Each house usually takes two students in. Whoa. And then you, you, you do your final year for six months there. So six months of it is you're working at the actual design house. Yeah. S- sounded incredible. It sounded like exactly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this is great because no one really has that when they're in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I know exactly what I want to do. Left went to London, funded it with money that was left to me by my father. Mm -hmm. So that's how that all happened. Hated it. Really? Absolutely hated London. Like, it's actually left a really bad... Taste in your mouth. Yeah. And I want to go back because I know that it's going to be different now. Yeah. But, like, literally for the... For six, seven years after that, I was like, I'm never going back there. Like, I hated the city. Mm. I hated how cold it was. I hated how grey it was. I hated how tiny the streets were. I hated the 
because people were cold and it was great that they wouldn't smile at you. Yeah. Like, and I'm a really smiley person. Yeah. So that kind of really affected me. And then I think obviously I was away from home and there was like this relationship that wasn't right. And you were grieving still probably. Exactly, yeah. Mm. So I gave up, came back. Mum and I got pretty close at that point, like reconnected. I was living with her for the next three months and then I was like, no, no, I can't do it. Yeah. Like it, our relationship got better because I wasn't away from you because we weren't on top of each other. Yeah. So I moved out. Yeah. So this was, I was 19 at this point. I moved out. Oh my God, you weren't even 20 yet. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, that's why I think that um, London would be a lot different for me now because I went there when I was 18. Yeah, yeah. I was like a child. Yeah. Like no one goes and just runs off to another country and lives by themselves Mm. and like tries to, anyway. So came back, mum and I were great. Went to RMIT for a year. Hated it. <laughs> I seem to hate a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that you're very clear about what suits you and what doesn't. Yeah. And you have, you know, been patient, which is what it takes yeah. to end up finding the things that you love. Yeah. And now that's what Way TA is all about. Yeah. Is that it's not a linear pathway. It's not like you figure out in school what you want to do and then you no. do it and then you're like, yay, tick. That's very rare. Like I... You know how people say, like, you change careers every seven years or something like that? Like, mm. something like you have, like, so many career changes. I reckon I had all my career changes. Like, in year 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> in like, your brain. Like, literally, <laughs> I just went through it all and went, nah, nah, yeah. nah. And then, so, I finished there, went to Melbourne School of Fashion. In, no, went to um, White House. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, first year of White House was exactly what I did at Melbourne School of Fashion. Okay. It was garment construction, pattern making. There was a little bit more design in it. Yeah. But I was like, I'm really bored. Like, yeah. And at this point, I'm like, what the actual fuck? Like, I've, I feel like I've done. <laughs> no, but literally, like, yeah. I was like, I feel like I've done all of this. Why am I spending another year doing it? Yeah. And at this point, this is when I met Lainey. <gasps> yes. Okay. Yes. This is how I met Lainey. Oh, my God. This story is so many directions that it's not okay. No, but this is what I love <laughs> because people need to hear that, yeah. you know, the most people in Australia know you from MasterChef. Yeah. And they say that you love cooking, you've had cooking in your family, and now you're cooking. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> now you're cooking. You're cooking, you're cooking, <laughs> and then you're cooking. Yeah. Like, it just seems like this is what I love, this is what I'm doing, yay. Yeah. But... Uh, that's what I love showing in this podcast yeah. is that the depth beneath the surface and the many years it took you to even figure that out, yeah. it's never linear. So if people come into their, in, into listening to this in this stage that you're talking about, yeah. I want it to be reassuring that it's yeah. fine to be like, what the hell is happening yeah, in my life? Literally. Like everyone does that. That's part of it. So 19 at this point, meet Elaine Marshall, who I love dearly. Lainey, Lainey, Lainey. Lainey, Lainey, Lainey on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. That's a shout out. Yep. Look her up. She's funny. One of the most talented stylists <laughs> yep. in the world. Agreed. And an absolute legend. So I was assisting her. Oh, yeah, so I did not know that's how you yeah, met. Yeah. So okay. I, I, I was like, I love your work. Yeah. I want to assist you. And so I assisted her for about two years. But like, let's move back to the beginning of that relationship. Yeah. As soon as about six months in, I was like, okay, I'm getting paid work in the fashion industry. I'm done with the schooling. Like, yeah. I'm out. Don't need it. I'm out. Like, I think with fashion, it's one of those things that you actually don't need to be taught it. Yeah, you either yeah. have that flair yeah. that, that can be refined. That can be refined. And obviously, like, I could have been, like, my drawings are horrible. I used to, like, <laughs> I used to do fashion drawings and the bodies and the clothes would look amazing. The faces would be fucked up. <laughs> it's like a, a circle with, like, no, no. two dots and I a smiley face. I stopped drawing human faces oh. and I started drawing robots because I was like, nice. you know what? There doesn't need to be an expression on this. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was done. Like, yeah. I was totally done. Yeah. And then at one point I was drawing squiggly lines as a head. Like I was just scribbling as a head. <laughs> I can um, so see that. <laughs> While this is all happening, I'm 
in the clubs. I'm really <laughs> just <social>. generally. <laughs> yeah. I'm just generally about the clubs. <laughs> yeah, I was like in the clubs, like meeting new people. Because like when you're young, that's what you want to do all the time. You just want to meet really cool people. What do you do? What do you do? What are you studying? Oh, like where it. are you going? Yeah. Mate, I was a host at Eve. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole of uni. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is so well, classy. I was a host as soon as I came back from London because I was hosting a little bit before. Yeah. So like beginning of my um, 18 year old. Yeah. Let's just call it that timeline. Because <laughs> yeah. was no underage? No. No, not at all. Never. Was I hosting underage? No. Of course not. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> yeah. So while I was hosting, they were like, you know what would be really funny? You should play this event. And it's called, is that how the DJ? Yes, started? yes. So this is because I wanted to like bring that back in. I was like, there's so much information going on right now. He's doing like 18 things. So like, yeah. I don't know where what he's saying. Where is it going? <laughs> this is half my life with Khan. I just stare at him like, what is going on? Oh. <laughs> I don't understand. I just go on tangents. Like, but it's amazing. I don't know if I have ADHD. I might. I've never been diagnosed. Look, I think we're all on the spectrum. Exactly. Like, somewhere on it. That's why we all get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where was I? Played your first set. Yes. So they asked me to play. A monthly party at Seven Nightclub oh called That Time of the Month <laughs> because it was an all-female lineup. So controversial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not PC. No, not PC. Not now, anyway. But back then, it was nothing. Yeah. It was like over ten years. Oh, it was about ten years ago. Nine years ago now. Nine years ago now. So it was like nothing. Like they mm. were like, oh, they promoted it as this time of the month, and like, <laughs> it was always a female lineup. And they're like, let's chuck a gay in there. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> token gay. Yeah. Cool. Let's do it. <laughs> Rocked up two CDs in hand. Two. <laughs> nice. Someone else's headphones. Yeah. <laughs> Press start. Decided don't like this song anymore. Press it went, next. Bam, 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 bam. Start next song. Turned <laughs> it. Swiped it down. They go, do you want to do this next month? Why? Like, yeah, I, just, I was shit. Like, I was shit. I did not. They're like, yeah, but everyone was dancing. Because uh. obviously I'm gay. I like music <laughs> that makes you dance. Like. <laughs> like, okay, let's just put this in perspective. So I am a major nana. I have stopped going out. I have hung up my dancing shoes. Nick and I, Nick used to run a nightclub. I had like a good 10 to 15 years of like backing it up. I'm retired. Yeah. So like last year, end of last year, Khan was like, come out. And I was like, mate, I haven't been in a nightclub since <laughs> yes, like. Yeah, I love this story. <laughs> since like maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, he's like, no, just come for dinner and then we'll go out. So we went for dinner and then I was like, okay, I'm going home. He's like, no, 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 just come out, just come out. Ended up on a podium by myself. <laughs> Next to me while I'm DJing. <laughs> in she, the DJ booth. <laughs> she's grinding up on me and Nick is just standing there being like, what is going on? Like, he was just like, what? He's like, I'm going home now. This is so Awful. <laughs> She's so like not good, not okay. <laughs> Had the best time ever. And it's because Khan's music and the way, if you've ever seen him DJ, he dances as well. So you just yeah. can't not move. So I was like dancing on the floor and I was like, this is not enough. I need to be up there with him. <laughs> so I just like got in there and was like, woo! Well, I, the, the, whole, the whole thing about the way I DJ is like, if I'm not having fun, you, got, you guys aren't going to have fun. The people watching aren't going to have fun. So I need to have fun. And I can tell because there are times when I'm like, oh my God, I have another gig and I'll go play it and it would be a really shit gig. Yeah, and like, you feel it. I feel it. As a DJ, you control the energy of the room and not even just through music, it's through you yeah. as well. So yeah, got, got, an, got asked to do it monthly, then fortnightly, then another club asked me to do it. Thought, do you know what? I should probably learn how to actually DJ. <laughs> um, I'm just swapping CDs right now. Yeah, this is like three months in. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, don't know what I'm, what I'm doing still. Um, at the time, Elizabeth, who's also one of my other best friends. Bambi. Bambi, yeah. yes. Bambi and Baby, Instagram. Bambi and Baby. 
Chakra follow. She's yeah. beautiful. She's lovely. <laughs> I'm just plugging every single person. This is also one of the other best things about Khan is that he always uses the influence that he has towards supporting his friends. It's so amazing. <laughs> like I literally walked in and he's like, I prepared you a gift. It's a matcha raspberry chocolate thing that he'd made. I was like, you are just fucking amazing. <laughs> Very generous. It's also gluten free because I, I, I texted Nick last night and said what uh, Sarah's dietary. Oh my God, you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you. Um, yeah, so I was. Um, I thought I needed to learn how to DJ. Elizabeth was a professional DJ at the time. Did you not know that? I did not know that. Yep. She DJed under Elizabeth O'Neill or with someone else called Justin Field, and it was called Anal Field. <laughs> Like, I just need to drop that in. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's hilarious. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, she taught me how to play. She literally taught me how to DJ. No way. Yeah, she, and she, sometimes she says, she goes, Lowell, you wouldn't have been a DJ without me. I'm like, Lowell, your career ended when I started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're, like, just on fire. Like, you've gone from self-taught to, guys, highlight, <laughs> DJed for Justin Bieber's <laughs> intimate party when he was in Melbourne. Like, what the actual fuck yeah, is that? Yeah, it's... um. I don't know. Like, I think the the way that I played was always very fun. It was always fun. It was old R&B. It was current R&B. It's pop. It was like, those were my genres. Like, mm. the genres that I loved, it was like queens. Like, it was like absolute divas. Like, mm. that's what I played. And I found that I was doing that at the beginning and it, I was always in a side room. But then that flip happened, you know, when R&B started to really have a resurgence mm. and it became a real, like, I would say that right now R&B music is at the forefront of music. Like that's what everyone listens to, everyone dances to. Mm. And I found myself aligned to that at the beginning as, as it was happening. So then I was getting main room gigs and then I was getting festival gigs and then I was getting like the promoters that were booking me were the promoters that were bringing these acts out. And they're like, well, it makes sense to book Khan because he's the R&B DJ. Like this yeah. is what he does. You're like major name. Yeah. So I was doing that and like I was... I don't know, like, DJing's always been really, like, I loved it. I still love it. But it just all happened. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't was, on purpose. It was never on purpose. Like, it just, like, something fell into place here and something fell into place there. And then this happened. And then I was really comfortable. Mm. And I was like, I literally only have to work two days a week and I'm comfortable. Mm. Like, and So did you drop fashion at that time? Like well, you didn't need that yeah, work I, anymore? I didn't, I didn't need it anymore. And then I was like, well, I don't want to be a stylist. I want to be a designer. Mm. Like that's all I wanted to do. So I was like, okay, well, that, that's going to happen. Let's just keep playing these parties. Let's just keep going to these things. And like that opportunity is going to present itself. And the it, networking you've had yeah. from that, from being everyone's favourite DJ and the events you've been able to access. And yeah. one thing about Khan that is amazing is that you know it can sometimes seem from the outside like the DJing world or the TV world or whatever things just do happen to you Mm. but you can hear now knowing from the very beginning how tenacious he's always been and how focused you've always been on your reputation and doing a good job at everything you do and Mm. learning and following up and like being a pleasure to work with which is why people come back to you yeah thank you that's really sweet that's really (laughs) sweet yeah I, I I knew what I wanted like one of my goals was to be signed by the time I was 25 I was like if I if that doesn't happen then DJing's not for me. Yeah. The week before my 25th birthday, I got signed. <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> there you go. Well, that's definitely the universe. Yeah. Yeah. And then the year after that, so done with my 25 thing, I've played parties for celebrities, played music festivals, played races, played Grand Prix, like played 
literally every event that you could think every of. Every big thing that goes on in Melbourne or Sydney, he's been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and I loved it. I loved it. I, 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 still, I still really enjoy playing the Jagged Marquee at the Polo. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is my favourite gig of the year. Yeah, like, not it. even a joke. <laughs> but there's another... <laughs> yep, guys. Another um, plug. Next Team year. Jagged. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... So where was I going? 25. Got signed. Was in then 26 in Bali with you. No, 25 I was in Bali with you. Yeah. It was right like a couple months after I got signed. And That's right. we were talking, um, I was talking to heaps of people about like cooking and like, because in my spare time, have I moved into a different subject now? <laughs> like, have I moved into a different category? No. I know you have categories <laughs> yeah, of yeah. my questions. This is all still the first category. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, have I been talking for like half an hour? 40 minutes. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh my God. No, but we knew this would happen. Yeah. Because we just like, there's so much to talk about. And the thing is, most people don't know this bit yeah. about you. So I feel like, you know, same with George's episode and Georgia and Lee, I was like, The Bachelor, everyone knows about that. Yeah. And so that's going to be like, MasterChef is like a small part because most course. people have watched it. Yeah. They want to hear all the other stuff. Yeah. And the, the next segment is Natia, which is going to be huge because that will be, you know, all about the self-doubt about yeah. coming out oh and, and, and all of that. Gonna, and then he's going to cry. I, so we're going to... Don't make me cry. <laughs> like, I don't want to. Um, but yeah, let's just get... Yeah, I let's finish almost, kind almost, of telling people yeah. how you got to MasterChef. So, yeah, I, all my friends know that I cook in my spare time as like an enjoyable thing. Like, it was always fun. I would always post it on my stories. Mm. Like, I would be like, I'm making a green curry and these are my ingredients. And then I do this and then I do this and then we do this and then this is how it's presented. And it's like <laughs> 15 stories later, you have a dish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I always loved it. And so a lot of my friends were like, you should go on MasterChef. And I was like, huh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I know how to make curry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one Vietnamese dish yeah. and that's it. <laughs> yeah, like I don't really know how to do things. Like this is just fun. And then I was like, no, all right, okay, we'll do it. We'll, we'll audition. And then I was in Bali with Sarah at the time when I realised <laughs> that I had to like... Film I, your video. <laughs> yeah, because I filmed me cooking, but then I didn't film myself. I didn't introduce myself. I didn't talk about what I was actually making. I was just cooking in the video. <laughs> and it was like, cool. Like this is not an audition tape. Yeah. It's just a video of you cooking. <laughs> so he's like, shit. Oh my god, it's due in like a day. Yeah. Oh my god, shit! We need to film it right now. So he, we just went to his hotel room. I was like, "Do I leave you and Nick just by yourselves, or is that like <laughs> going to be like, dangerous?" Like, nah, I'm staying. <laughs> yeah. I need to keep them supervised because, like, yeah, I feel like there's Nick a separate really nice abs. There's like a bromance going on there. That <laughs> no, no, it's not a bromance. I'm just really into your fiance. <laughs> I'm the third wheel. Um, <laughs> so we filmed the video in Bali. Yeah, we filmed the video in Bali. And like, I actually think the video is what got me in because when we refilmed it, I couldn't talk while I was cooking because the cooking's already been done. So I we filmed it from the perspective of, Ma of a MasterChef episode. Yeah. Where I literally sat there and I talked through the dish and I was like, this is what I'm doing now. I don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. Like, so we filmed it like I was doing a master's interview. Yeah. Yeah. So sent that through, got an audition shat myself because I was like it's a mystery box I know how to make eight things well I thought I knew how to make eight things yeah um went into the audition it was horrible it was my first audition was actually horrible I don't know I don't think I would have spoken about this ever because no one's really asked me about this I burnt the chicken I remember the phone call you were like yeah. babe I fucked it yeah it's over, it's yeah. over before it started <laughs> yeah I like I literally <laughs> burnt the chicken um my salad dressing wasn't even right I did like a Vietnamese slaw like mum makes it all the time how's my salad dressing not right like <laughs> like are you dumb I grew up on this shit yeah and it's literally like <laughs> roasted peanuts left the skins on what the fuck <laughs> 
I was like, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Anyway, so I brought it up to um, the producers and the like, the food, the taste testers, because there's actually multiple auditions. It's not straight to the judges. Yeah, there were like a lot of rounds. Yeah, there were a lot of rounds. So she was eating, and she goes, "Oh, there's a little bit of char at the bottom of your drumstick," and I was like, "Maybe just eat around it." And I just eat the nice bit. You just said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, just ig- maybe just ignore that little uh, shit bit. Yeah. And then she's like, so what's wrong with the dish? I'm like, the sauce isn't balanced. I've, I've obviously burnt the chicken a little bit, but I know the flavours are there. Got through. How? No idea. <laughs> because you're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Because your light shines bright. Um, second round was your signature dish. So this was, you were given a day or two, depending on when your next audition landed. Come back, make us something that will wow us. Poor belly. Can do it hands Signature, yeah. Like, literally can do it. Sorry. <laughs> so That's good. me being, like, hungry as well. Just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Port Belly can do it blindfolded, can do it without having to weigh it. Like, will always come out perfect. Did that with, like, a little salad, a homemade hoisin sauce, and, like, a little so dressing, good. and, like, some roasted eggplants. Like, I knew it was going to be pretty. Made the dish about 45 times, by the way. I ate one of them. Yeah. I don't even eat pork. And I was like, this is fucking delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Remember I came over that night? Yes. I was like, this is so yummy. Um, yeah. So got back through, straight through. They were like, that was a vast improvement to your first audition. I was like, thank you. And this is when you sit down and you talk through like what you do, you should do with the dish to impress the judges. Mm. And basically I was told nothing. That's amazing. I was like, like actually, and they're like, don't change anything. Like this is a really good audition dish go in and audition with this. And I was like, okay, cool. 45 dishes later of the same dish, <laughs> tweaked it enough to be like, you know what, I can do this hands down. Yeah. Like, give me 40 minutes, I can do it. Like, no matter what, I can do it. Went to all the, the auditions, was shitting myself, as you would. Cut my hand in literally the <laughs> first five seconds. Nice. Literally, Shit. open the pork, slice the pork, slice my hand, <laughs> pork gets put in the bin because oh there's God. been contaminated with blood. Awesome, lost five minutes there. So I went in, I was sitting there. Oh, I also cried, literally, <laughs> sitting down after I finished cooking. I cried while waiting to present my dish. I was crying. And then as soon as I walked in, tears were gone. Walked straight in. Yep. Hey, Gary. Showtime. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Judges loved it. Gary goes, I'm unsure. <gasps> no! <laughs> I was like, I knew this was going to happen! Um, anyway, the judges are back and forth thing. They're like, well, we're sure you should just say yes. And Gary goes, look, if I say no, he comes back tomorrow and cooks for us again and we'll probably get another banging dish. And then George goes, but if you say yes, you would have made his day and he's going to leave with an apron. And Gary goes, all right, you've bullied me into this. Yes. Yay! Got my apron. And that's how that all began. <laughs> and guys, it looks glamorous on the outside, but Khan, from the time he knew he was in to the time he went into the house, was like researching everything that like, he didn't know how to do. Pastries were a weakness. He yeah. just made every pastry. Like yeah. the research and... I was bringing it to F45. I know. I bringing dishes to F45. <laughs> like, I made it this morning. Can you eat it? It's not challenge friendly, but like <laughs> yeah. you can just eat it for <laughs> me. It's a chocolate tart or whatever. And he made it to third in mm. the show. And that was... You just did incredibly. It Thank was you. so amazing. I mean, you were really well known beforehand. You already had a, a big profile, but it's also now just elevated mm. your cooking side yeah and now you have your own venue yes yes so i've got the george and collins now so which exciting. is incredible like it's not where i thought i would be a year on well not even a year on from last year but yeah loved it loved the whole experience of it so far it's been 
everything that I've wanted. Like I said, when I went into MasterChef, I wanted a venue. I didn't want a restaurant. I wanted a venue. There was a restaurant bar with a nightlife aspect. You actually said that at the very beginning. Yeah. Like that's what I want to come out of it. Yeah. And it has like, I've got a restaurant bar that has a a. 3am license. Like it's We're going for dinner tonight. I'm so excited. Yes, yes, you're coming for dinner tonight. <laughs> yes, yes. So excited. Yeah, so it's been really challenging because um, I've gone into this venue where I kind of play the role of executive chef, mm-hmm. where it's my menu, it's in collaboration with our head chef, but it's like you get really scared because I was on TV, I was not trained. Mm. So you come into an environment where chefs are very, very, very particular mm. in the way that they do things, and I don't have that training. So I could have gone in and then I could have turned around and said, no, fuck off. Mm. If you're not leaving, we're leaving. Yeah. But that never happened. Yeah. Like, they were really supportive. They have been this whole time and they've done great things. Like, the menu is exactly how I would have made it. And there's, like, things that, like, I was like, let's make it this way. And they're like, that would never work in a commercial kitchen because that would take 45 minutes to make for each individual person. So they would then help me. But that's good for you to learn that stuff, right? So I've learned so much. Like, I know how things work in a commercial kitchen now because it's not you're not cooking for one person you could be cooking for 150 yeah like you don't actually know how many you'll be cooking for that's so cool yeah it's congratulations been, i'm so you. happy for I'm you i'm actually so excited for you to come in yeah i'm now, really excited look, you're gluten intolerant vietnamese food doesn't have a lot of gluten in it yeah and even with the stuff that i know has gluten in it i've made it so it doesn't so our sauces, we use tamaris, we use a gluten-free vegan fish sauce Ooh. rather than a fish sauce. Because, um, well, we were playing around with flavours and I was like, well, th- this um, nook mum, which is like a very <laughs> traditional Vietnamese dressing, is made with fish sauce. But if I want to use it, Sarah's sneezing. Like, <laughs> she's trying not to make it sound like she's sneezing, but she's sneezing. I'm doing these little like... <laughs> and now your face is all red. I know, I'm like, I held it in. Um, yeah, we do a Vietnamese dressing that is usually made with fish sauce from fermented fish bones, anchovies and stuff like that. But we use a, a vegan one that is actually fermented beans and it's actually three <gasps> types of beans, but it tastes... I reckon it tastes identical because I've, ga- I've given them both to mum, yeah. as in like I've made the sauces and be like, which one's... And she can't tell. She can't tell. That's amazing. So, um, which I'm really proud of because I think with dining, especially in Melbourne. Mm. It's hard to be different. It's hard to be different. There are so many dietary requirements out there. Let's make it easier for our chefs. Let's make it easier for the consumer. Mm. So everything that is vegetarian on our menu is vegan. There is only three dishes on the menu that has gluten in it. That's amazing. There's only two dishes that has dairy in it. Wow. Yeah. The menu itself is actually really good if you've got celiac or if you're a vego or a mm. vegan or a pesco. Yeah. We cater for all of that and I wanted to do that. I wanted – we didn't have to change for someone coming in. There it's was enough like options that. there for you to have something delicious yeah. that would suit your dietary requirements. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so amazing. <laughs> so guys, I know I skated over uh, the whole MasterChef segment a little bit, but that's because, like I said, with the, the Batchy episode with Georgia and Lee, that's all still available to watch. You can catch up on all that stuff mm. and that's much more publicly available. Yeah. Um, but just to finish up on the MasterChef piece, it's really hard often to know your life changes so much through that show yeah. and you suddenly have a lot of fame and you get recognised and there's pressure then to do something with mm. it. Obviously, you've already had this amazing opportunity come out of it. Yeah. What else has been part of that transition for you? Like how have you found people recognising you? Have you found have you felt pressure and yeah. what else are you going to do with it? The, the recognition part was kind of half funny. 
uh, because I was a DJ, I knew a lot of people. So when people yeah. were saying hi to me on the street, I just had <laughs> always assumed that I had met them at a club. Yeah. So I would be like, hey, babe, how are you? And then they'd be like, oh, I loved your MasterChef. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> this is the wrong person. Like, I don't know you. Um, so that was quite funny. Um, yeah, and that's how, how I felt the whole way through. That I was just like, oh, no, I know this person. No, they, they saw me on TV. But, yeah. like, that doesn't connect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I find a lot of pressure because um, – so I came third. Third still podium, so, yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Still did really well. Probably should have won it, but, like, whatever. Burn, <laughs> burn my fish, okay? We think so. We think you should have won. <laughs> what was it like even watching yourself? Weird? Because we, we used to have Khan parties and we would watch it. Like, he was still in the house, though, so yeah. we'd all get together and watch them together, yeah. like, 30 of us. It was really sweet. Yeah. and it, it, Do you know what? It, when I was watching myself, it was more like... Why do you make that face? Like, <laughs> it was like you never see yourself. Yeah, I never see myself. And like, I have a really emotive face. I've realized from watching this show where if I'm worried, you can tell. Yeah. If I'm surprised, you can tell. If yeah. I'm happy, you can really tell. Yeah, like, yeah, it's so cute. There's like my my smile, but then there's like the, my actual happy smile. Yeah. And I jump apparently when yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, you jump. Yeah, yeah and I you jump. clap. Yeah, I clap yeah. and I jump when I'm happy. That's so I'm cute. like five apparently. <laughs> That's really sweet. <laughs> um, so watching myself was all fine. But yeah, the, the, there's this weird kind of pressure that comes from being on a TV show yeah. where it's always, what is next? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, is he going to do something? Did he go on TV so that his career in DJing would further, like go yeah. further? The judges thought that. Yeah. The judges literally told me that, that they thought that I went on this show so that I would get more bookings. And you're like, mate, I already did Justin Bieber. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> that was so last season. <laughs> yeah. No, but, like, I, I get it. I get it because... um, Because a lot of people do, to be fair. There's yeah, a lot of reality the, TV shows They go now. on TV shows to further their other career. And the judges thought that from the beginning because they actually told me after that they had all either seen me, heard of me, or had some relationship with someone who was my friend. Yeah. And they're like, we knew you. Like, we knew of you. Like, which yeah. means that, like, you're on here to further that and then it wasn't until Adelaide week which was about top 16 I think or something like that that was top 18 that they were like oh you're legit you're really invested in this new career yeah Yeah. they're like okay well Gary was the last one to actually believe me Mm. and he was about top 12 and wow yeah and he was like okay I need to stop being surprised by you yeah. And just support what you're doing because I can actually tell that you want to do this now. Yeah. And I was like, thank you for that. Yeah. You, it means a lot, right? Yeah, because it's like, it was hard going into a show where I had to prove that I was a good cook, but then also have to prove to the judges that I wanted to be a good cook. That yeah. That I wasn't there to be a better DJ. Like, yeah. That it, like, that, there was an added kind of pressure. Yeah. So that actually leads me to the next section, which is called NATA, which is yeah. all the challenges that you faced along the way. Yeah. And I imagine that's a huge one. That productivity pressure of yeah. like being double guest all the time. And then now people knowing who you are being like, what's next? What's next? Like yeah. obviously the George is amazing, but having people always be like, and what's after that? Like, yeah. do you find that you can't rest, that you can't take time out, that you can't just take a minute to yourself to like breathe? I kind of don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird because um, people do expect things. Like everyone, like even my Insta stories have been like, People reply to me and go, why aren't you cooking? Why aren't you cooking? Why aren't you cooking? Why are you only posting DJ stuff? Why are you only posting fashion stuff? Why are you not in a kitchen? Mm. Because no one knew that for the last four months I've been working on the George. Yeah. Like, so uh, no, I'm not going to be cooking a cake 
or a curry or like a comfy duck like three times a week because I needed content. You've Not, got a venue now. Like you I've don't... got a venue. Like this is actually the real life thing. So yeah. that's the, but it's a real life thing that you're not going to see because it's not ready to be seen. Like yeah. I'm working, but you don't know I'm working. Yeah. Like uh, but that actually affected me a lot. Like that when, when people were messaging me and being like, why are you not in the kitchen? And I would be like, I am fucking in the kitchen. I'm actually in the kitchen more so now than I ever have been, but I'm not posting it because it's not content. Or because it's secret. Yeah. Like... It's like, it's like, it's just not important that you should be seeing this part. Like, it will all come out. Mm. Like that really got to me because I was like, you don't actually know what I do. Mm. Like you see what I basically allow you to see at the time. Like, so you would see me going to the gym or you would see me doing like going to an event or like playing somewhere, but you wouldn't see the fact that I spent probably the last 30 hours of a week trying to make the perfect caramel chicken recipe Mm. like you don't see any of that and that's kind of the stuff that's behind the scenes that people don't ever get to see out of like a lot of careers like you don't Mm -hmm. get to see the actual real work that comes like before the shiny dish yeah yeah which is why i love to ask people about this breaking that like glossy glamorous social media portrayal which is not that you're being inauthentic but there are some things you can't share like I know because at the start I know you've got other really really exciting things going on that you can't talk about yet and that's hard because like Georgia was saying that people assume that she's a newsreader because she was on The Bachelor but she was an anchor before Before then so I try to use this platform to be like it looks like it's easy it looks glamorous it looks like there's no work (laughs) but there is so much shit that goes on behind the scenes and even the stuff you can't talk about know it's happening because yeah. it's there <laughs> like like yeah I've got like three other projects on right now and I literally split my t- time between that DJing the George and also the social media stuff mm. and then like the social media stuff it's, it's really funny people think that it's fun it's not really that fun yeah sometimes it's hard sometimes it's hard like you don't go to events because you're getting free booze or free food you're going to support a friend you're going to push that brand because it's a brand you believe in. Mm. It's a French brand. You also go to connect with other people because you don't know what collaborations can come from that. Mm. So it's actually all work, but mm. people don't see that. All they see is you're at another launch. Yeah. But it's like, did you know that that launch, like the one that I went to yesterday, was my best friend of the last eight years? Yeah. Like you don't. Yeah. So it's like the social media side is kind of funny because you people think it's really like, Fun and games and glamour, but it's kind of like you're still working. Yeah. Obviously, I don't see that as my main source of income or work. Like, that's an added bonus, and I'm really appreciative of it. But at the same time, it's like it's still work. Yeah, it's not play. No, it's, it's not, not in really the play TA category. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so, what about coming back to the fact that this is Seize the Gay? Yeah. I imagine there's been a lot of NATA in that area. So coming out into a strict Vietnamese family, yep. having pressures at school, um, yep. has there ever been, you know, discrimination? Yeah. And um, I also think that one thing that's amazing about you is that you're super, super flamboyant mm. when you feel like it. Yeah. But you can be really serious as yep. well. And that's a hard line to walk because sometimes people think you're going to be all laughy and fun and games yeah. but then when you want to be serious like yeah. you're like okay like I know at MasterChef you're like is this too extra for me to put on my Instagram right now yeah like how is so that identity being well I'm gonna actually touch on that a little bit further but first let's talk about the be- the the beginning of the coming out and the family stuff that was petrifying and any ethnic child that is gay queer bisexual 
a lesbian transgendered will know that the pressure is a little bit different never grown up in a white family so I don't know how different but I personally think that it's a little bit harder because it's also a community thing mm-hmm. like um, with minorities like Asian people um, Vietnamese Chinese um, Lebanese like Muslim the network itself is really tight so the community is really tight so you're not coming out to just your parents mm-hmm. you're coming out to a bigger community which actually I think adds more pressure to it because you don't if you get shunned it's not by your family it's, it's by, by your everyone. family and everyone. Yeah. Like, and I think that adds a lot of pressure onto it. I didn't ever have a problem. I, I thought that I had a problem with it. Like, I freaked that fuck out. And then when I spoke, I told my sister first. And she was Amy. like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Did she know? Was she like, yeah, yeah I knew that? Yeah, no, she was pretty young. I think she was like 13. She was oh like, my God. I don't even know what that means. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> you got to understand, we're, we're like six years apart. Yeah. So when I came out to her, she was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? You, what? Yeah, and then dad passed away before I came out. Really? Yeah. So that's something that I always look back on and be like, it's kind of really annoying because I wish that I had done that because it was literally a year after. Yeah. Yeah, mum was fine. Like she, I've had the most supportive family. Mum was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was just like, all right. Like, that's but, amazing. Like, I mean, that's rare. Yeah, I, mean, I think some definitely. strict families find it super, super confronting. Yeah, and I think especially, yeah, you come, like, Vietnamese are really strict on mm. that. Like, they want, like my family always put it in my head before I came out that they wanted me to have children and they wanted me to be with a woman and get married one day and, like, have this really stable career. Like, that was their perfect life. Mm. And I was shattering that literally every single year. Like, I would, like, career choice, sexuality. Mm. Like, all of that was being shattered. And that's hard. And I, I feel as though... I don't know what your listener base is like, but if there are younger people who do feel like that, it's, it's going to be, like, fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like you, you go through this thing as a, as a young, like, in your teenage years where you think that, like, coming out is going to be the end of the world and it's going to, like, really fuck everything up and it doesn't. Like, it's actually fine to be different. Mm. It's fine to kind of just be who you want to be. It's fine to be weird. It's fine to have these differences in emotions. Like, mm. you grow up and you'll find that support system. Like, it... Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, oh God, oh, I don't want to cry. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, you end up finding that support system around you and you find the people that need to be in your life for that. Yeah. And it's all going to work out at the end. Stick with it. You, like, you, if you're listening, you are loved and you will be loved and you're important to someone. Yeah. And it's just like kind of to do it, just come out. Because... I actually have never felt more myself than until I came out because I was not pretending to be something else. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, you're free, and it's a, it's it's a really nice, empowering freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It must be liberating to finally be like, I'm not hiding. Yeah. Who I? How long from the time you realised to the time you came out? How uh, long were you going through that like turmoil? Well, I kind of always realised, and it was just not until. Probably when I was really sure that I was like, right, I've got to come out now. Had you been with girls ever? Oh, my God. <laughs> Who made you ask this question? I just thought of it. No, are, are you joking? No, I seriously. Okay. I have just realised I've never asked you that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. 
Oh my Sorry, god. I just ruined a really intense <laughs> moment because I was like, wait, I've never asked this question. Oh my god. My first time was with a girl. Shut up. Oh. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I did not know you'd been with girls before. I, oh my I'm not god. Say her name, my but brain is exploding. Like the girls, all my close friends know, and they always bring it up. <laughs> They're like, how would Viv? <gasps> How would blah 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 feel? Yeah. And I would be like, I'm really like I really I was really apologetic to her. I was like, it's not you. Like yeah. I was just gay. But she doesn't think I'm gay still. What? I literally day. think of you coming out of the womb like <laughs> Hello <laughs> With glitter yeah. and like Mariah Carey on one end and Ariana screaming on the other. And like a Mardi Gras float. Yeah. Like you'll like come out on the float. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. That's so, so funny. Yeah, no, it was the first time I was with a girl. It was with a girl. A girl. Oh, yeah. wow. But that was like also pressure. Yeah. That, Societal that pressure. Yeah, like. because everyone was doing it. <laughs> like literally. Though, All the cool kids. Like literally everyone was doing it. And so I was like, yeah, all right, cool. And so that probably, that brings up one of my other favourite topics, which is self-doubt. Like, did you doubt your decision or did you doubt that people would accept you? And even now when you put yourself forward for opportunities or mm. going on MasterChef, like how does that... I think self-doubt is super destructive yeah. and unfortunately very present in a lot of us and not a, not a lot of us have learned how to control it. Mm. Has Have you felt that that's been a challenge? Career-wise, all the time. Yeah. Constant. Yeah. And I think you would know that as well. Like, it's actually, doubt's kind of something that's always there and, like, if you succumb to it, it really fucks you up. But mm. I have days where I literally think the restaurant is not going to work. Yeah. What I'm doing is not right. Like you double guess yeah, everything. The, the other project that I'm doing is not going to work. It's going to fail. The third one won't work either. And it's like a one day where every single thing that I think that I'm doing is completely wrong. Mm. And then on those days, I literally would just go, why am I feeling like this? Like what is causing me to feel like this? And it, sometimes it's just I'm tired. So I would go run a bath, put bubbles in it. I always have a bath. I was going to say, of course you have bubbles. Always. It ma- nothing makes me feel more relaxed than a bubble bath. Literally, lights go off, candle goes on. Either Tony Bennett, Adele. Adele, if I want to cry. Ooh. Yeah, so okay. if, if, I've, if I feel like the reason that I'm doubting myself right now is because I ne- I've got a lot of emos- emotions and I need to cry. You just need to get it out. I need to get it out. Yeah. Adele would go on. I would sit in the bath for an hour. And just ball. Ball. And then afterwards, I'd be like... Feel great, yeah. Like, and it's it's literally that. It's like you, if you pinpoint why you're feeling certain emotions, you'll get over it. So the mm. doubt disappears. Mm. Like, but it's it's natural. Like, people doubt themselves. I also think it's a sign that you care. Of course. If you don't doubt whether it's good or not, it means you don't really care, care. that it's good or not. Which yeah. is the minute that you're not doing something that you should be doing. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just learning how to respond. So that's the career side. But it's, it's, it's always scary because I'm like, if, the doubt always comes to the same thing. If nothing, if all of this work doesn't work, I find myself in a really weird position where it's not just a restaurant. There's other projects going on that I can't mm. really expand on. But as someone who's coming off a TV show, these other projects are the other avenues that you can take. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So if they all fail at the same time, there are no other avenues. Yeah. There, there is nothing else that I can do. I'm back to square one. I probably would have to just to go back to full-time DJing. And I love DJing, but I only want to do it once a month. Yeah. 
and it's an outlet now. It's no longer a career. Yeah. It's now my outlet. Yeah. So, but that scares me because I don't want to get back to that point. Yeah. <laughs> That's the self-doubt. Yeah. The self-doubt in the sexuality thing. After coming out, I've actually never felt shit. That's again, amazing. Like ever. And I can say that wholeheartedly. Oh God, I wrote something cute here. but. I <laughs> Yeah, so before you come out, you have these weird feelings where you could be, like, ashamed of, okay. being, like, of being gay. You get, like, you feel you're being criticised, you're being looked at, you're being gawked at. And no one chooses to be like that. Like, literally no one is born into a world and goes, I'm going to choose for people to judge me or I'm going to choose for people to look at me in a weird way. It just happens. Mm. But since coming out, that's never been, there has never been a day where I felt like that from a sexuality point of view and it's because you own it like you Mm. uh, once you come out you own it and then you realize that everything's great like everything's fine like on the flip side have you ever had people treat you differently because of that like I always wonder whether guys worry like guys are like if you're being friendly are they like is he coming on to me you know what I mean like do you get that okay early on in the whole scheme of being in nightclubs I think I learned how to deal with that yeah. And the first thing I usually do when I meet a guy is I crack onto him. As Yeah, to kind of break the joke. ice. Yeah. yeah. And it, it breaks the ice. And literally from that point onwards... People are fine. It's fine. You know what I mean? Because I think sometimes straight guys don't know. Yeah. It's like, whoa, okay, so how do you... Because you're being lovely yeah. and you're like, what about if they're not your type? Like, you know, you're like, yeah. I can have guy friends and not crack onto them. Yeah. Like, look, I've, I've never found that guys have ever thought that of me, but I think that is because I grew up in straight nightclubs basically yeah so you learned how to i I learned how to maneuver drop roll (laughs) (laughs) no but like i i I think i got how to interact with straight men to make them feel comfortable so that i'm more comfortable yeah yeah Yeah. and you don't think they're having they're projecting that expectation yeah you. you get hate like you still get hate to this day yeah but i as i said i've never felt ashamed by it whenever i get hate on any of my posts about being gay I, I think of it that as... Still happens. It, I, I know, it's ridiculous that it still happens. Yeah. And I didn't actually think that it would. But my first one was before MasterChef and it was literally like, faggot, you should die in hell. <gasps> it was literally the harshest thing that I had ever heard. Like, I was like, whoa. Like, and it was on an Instagram post. And so it was I'm public. Shocked. It was like, public. Uh, I called it out straight away. Yeah, you just... I just... Nah, I was like, I'm sorry. But I'm going to go ham on this. Like, yeah. I'm just going to go at it. And, like, I, I ripped him to pieces. Like, I yeah. literally was like... Because I'm like, this is coming from a place of hate. Like, that wasn't even, like, any other comment but hate. Like, you yeah. literally called me a faggot, which is a word that is... So derogatory. Yeah, it's so derogatory. And then you told me that I should die in hell. Like, it was like... <sighs> That's not okay even if you yeah. do have a right to an opinion. Like, yeah, that's like that's not, not the way to do no it. That's no longer an opinion. No. That's, like, no. that's literally an attack. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like, he, I looked at the page and he was very religious. Okay. But then it's like if you're being kind to your neighbour, you're not telling somebody but, to go die in hell. But it's also this other thing. It's like, how can you say that it's your religion that is making you hate me? That is like saying, oh, sorry, please don't be gay around me because of my religion. It's like saying... Hey, Sarah, I would like you not to eat a pizza in front of me because I'm on a diet. Like, it's like the same thing. It's literally like, deal with it yourself. Yeah. Like, deal with it internally. Don't 
or unfollow you yeah. or something. Like if that's the problem. That person the wasn't even following me. Oh, that's it even was weirder. Just, it was just so weird. It was like, how did you even find this post? And it was like literally a photo of me and three people at the beach. Yeah. But it was all girls. Yeah. And it was like, what even is this? And then I get, and then I get like messages being like, um, not to offend you, but are you gay? And I'm like, that was more offensive yeah. than what you said. The, yeah. the fact that you were like, not to offend you. Yeah. There is nothing offensive about being queer. Yeah. There is nothing offensive about being gay, a lesbian or transgendered. Like, and that needs to be banged into people's minds. People's minds. And it's even like people who are quite open-minded will be like, sorry, but are you gay? Drop the sorry. Yeah. Just drop it. Yeah. Like it actually doesn't need to be there because that makes it offensive. Also, I'm like, your hashtag is gaze of our lives. (laughs) Like I just don't see how anyone could not know. But even I, like even I was like, I really want to do something for Mardi Gras and I want to do seize the gay. But then I was like, oh, Khan, is that crass? Like no, a, but I was you know, like, I was like, I need to, you need to check. I think because not everyone maybe is as comfortable as you. Of are. course, of course, of course, I, I totally get that. But I was just like, of course, I want to do seize the gay like that. <laughs> I know. I was like, eighty eight, it's con. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. I no. I I really loved it. But yeah. So that's kind of all the hate and all the yeah. doubts and stuff that I kind of experienced. I think you also surround yourself with people who are not that way. Everyone yeah. is pro yes vote. Everyone gets around. Oh, the yes vote thing was like fucked up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that was a year ago, but my point of view, I, it led to something really beautiful. Like the result was beautiful, but yeah. the vote itself, it was like, I don't vote on how you choose to live your life. Why yeah. do you get to vote on the way that I choose to live mine? Like, yeah, why, why is it put to vote? Yeah, why is it put to a vote on who I'm allowed to spend the rest of my life with? Like, that shouldn't come to a vote. Yeah. I, but I am thankful for it because the moment that the yes vote went through, it was an Australia-wide celebration. Yeah. And that kind of... It kind of shows that younger generation... Won't that, have as tough of a time. Well, yeah, because they, they would be feeling different, but it made, it made news. So it meant that they know that they were supported and there was love for them and yeah. that they were accepted. But it wasn't just an accepted... It wasn't just accepted. You were celebrated yeah. for being able to be who you want to be. Yeah. Because like no one should be... Like no one should walk down the street and be scared to hold the hand of someone they're in love with. Yeah. And I felt like when that came through, it was kind of a recognition that I love you, I'm going to hold your hand and we're both men. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. And I loved that part of it. Yeah. Another thing that I actually thought of just then in the NATA kind of category is because you are so flamboyant and energetic mm. and happy, gay or not, you're yeah. just a happy person. Yeah, I'm just very happy. I'm you, very optimistic. You're very happy yeah. and expressive of your joy. But add to that that as a gay guy, sometimes it's interpreted as flamboyance. Do you find that some days when you just don't fucking feel like being that way, that it's hard to be serious? It's not so much that I just don't want to be energetic, but sometimes I just don't have the energy and I just can't be... Like, I found that over the last two weeks I've been really busy. So I go into meetings and usually it's, hey, babe, how are you, blah, blah, blah. But it's literally, hey, how are you all? And then we would sit down and I'm like, okay, cool. So this is what we're doing with marketing. Mm. I love that idea. I need to get in and out. So it's kind of like it becomes really businessy where there actually is no time for me to make jokes. Yeah. And that's the only time that I find I do it. But usually I'm very, I'm really happy. And the only times I'm not are in my bathtub because I know that I'm not happy. So That's your time. I go yeah, and I spend time by myself. Or I go do yoga. Yeah. Yoga is my other big thing. Like if I feel like I'm having a really pessimistic 
bad day where I don't want to be smiley and I don't want to be on. You just remove yourself I from needing to myself. be. I remove myself, yeah. I just go and do my own thing. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll tell people, I'm like, hey, I'm taking four hours for myself. Yeah, that's yeah. so good. I'm so bad at it when I, because I'm similar in that I'm like usually really bubbly, yeah. like what are the day and happy. But then when I do have a, a like a sad or tired day, I'm like people expect me to be bubbly, Sarah. Yeah. And if I've already locked into something, I'm like shit. I'm gonna have to get out of my grumpy mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I never get grumpy. Oh no, that's why I get grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, the girls would know that I get crumpy. So I yeah, I can hear all your friends listening going, ah, uh, con. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, no, they always like, they get, they say things and then they go, how's he going to react? Yeah. <laughs> but I think I've gotten a lot better at it. Like I've gotten a lot better to every single way that you react to something is because of something that you're feeling. Yeah. So if you can, before I react, usually I go, why am I doing? Why am I about to say that? Why am I about to do this? And usually, if you can figure that out, it takes that away from you, and you no longer react in that manner. But that's a very emotionally aware response. <laughs> I mean, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people don't have that kind uh, it, of level of. But but I think all you need to literally do is probably take ten seconds before you reply to something to go. Why does this piss me off? Yeah. Yeah. What I, is going on? Yeah. Here? What is going on here? And usually, you know, you know deep down why it annoys you. So what about play TA then? I don't even know where there's any time left over for you to do anything else. (laughs) But this segment is pretty much getting at the fact that we all do ask first. I mean, we've we've done it here. We ask what we do. We don't ask what people love. We don't ask what brings them joy. And we don't even ask ourselves that often. We just do things because... We're on a roll, we're, we want to achieve things yeah. and because people put these opportunities in front of you. But who are we and what makes us happy is like such a different question. Yeah. So if you had no money and no time constraints and you could do anything in the world, is this what you'd be doing? Ish. Ish? Ish. Good answer. Because I want to be in food. If yeah. I had no money and no time and I could do whatever I wanted and nothing was like a problem, yeah. I would travel the world learning how to cook. That is literally what I want to do. And I hope that my career pushes me, pushes me in that direction one day. Nothing would hap- make me happier than to spend literally the next 50 years of my life going from country to country, learning how people cook, what ingredients they use differently, how they use differently, mm. and what are the different ways that things are made. Like, mm. that is so interesting to me. So that would literally be what I would want to be doing if money didn't matter, time didn't matter. And in between all of the amazing things that you are doing towards that, I mean, I think if anyone could do that, it's you. Yeah. What do you do for yourself that's separate to work? Like bubble baths is one, but yeah. do you do anything that's just for joy? Like do you watch TV? Yeah. Do you read books? A lot of things. I actually do find a lot of time for myself, which is strange, but I think the busier that I've been, the more time that I've been able to find for myself because I'm like, I need it. It's a necessity, yeah. Yeah. So... The gym is always a necessity. Mm-hmm. It's no longer I work out to stay fit. I work out because I actually like it. Mm. Like I complain about it <laughs> all the time. But you I, love it. But I love it. Yeah. And it's because it's social. Yeah. It's like I get to see my friends there. I love yoga because it clears my mind. So that's me time. Mm. I love hiking because I like being outdoors. Mm. I like experiencing new things. Like that's what I love. And then... Obviously, I spend a lot of time with my gays. <laughs> you just had a little gay road trip the other day. I was like, this is like gays of our lives calendar. Yeah. Like the photos you guys were well, taking. It was like so much oil. You and Sam, I was like, oh my God, this is I, amazing. I, I literally said to them, I was like, 
one of us needs to like have a swimwear brand because we could all just model it. Like I would just put on all of you guys and have you in the exact position. I just spat on you. It's fine. I uh, loved it. Uh, oh. Okay, note to self. Nick's into spinning too. This is how our life goes as a threesome. Like literally, it's just Khan trying to get in Nick's pants and yeah. me taking photos of them together. Um, yes, yeah, so I spent a lot of time with my gays. Love them to pieces. There, it's it, oh, we're gonna touch on this gay thing a little bit more because it is a sees the gay, sees the gay. I didn't really have gay friends. Really, I didn't really have gay friends until probably the last two, three years. Yeah, and I actually think that looking back, I wanted to disassociate myself from being your typical gay man that like hangs in groups yeah. and like I don't know, like goes partying on the weekend with each other topless and stuff like yeah. that but then it's like why the fuck do why did i feel like that yeah and it's like because a part of me was still kind of like i'm different though i'm not your stereotypical but i'm like there's nothing wrong being your stereotypical gay like mm. i'm kind of like that sometimes like, and i kind of love that you have accepted it enough to use it to your advantage you're yeah. like i might as well be the token gay like someone's got to be it yeah so why and, lose the opportunity just not- because I'm putting my foot down. Yeah, and it's like it's like it was a really weird way of thinking to be like hanging out with gay guys makes me more gay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm off the spectrum anyway. Uh, yeah. So. But yeah, so I like I've been hanging. Yeah, I've I've gotten a really good core group of gay mates now, and I love them. And it's like we don't sleep together. I know, I was going to say, <laughs> do people ask you that? Like, do they th- assume that when you're hanging out that you guys are, like, having a big orgy? All the time. Yeah, okay. All the and time. you're like, That's no, we're just friends. Literally, Jesus. it's like, oh, you can't possibly have a gay friend because you would all just sleep together because there are too many dicks in the equation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. But also... <laughs> but also, it's like... We just hung out. Well, that's just so dumb. That's like saying that, like, you can't be friends with a male... Also, it's also like you're assuming they're all my type. Like, exactly. Like, what if, ill? they're my friends. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So what are you guys doing for Mardi Gras? Um, so this is really sad. My whole core group of friends, there's actually multiple from different groups. Yeah. But they're my core group of gay friends. Yeah. Are all in Sydney for Mardi Gras. And you're not going? I'm working tomorrow and a Monday. Oh <laughs> I know, I was going to and I was really excited. And then like a job came through for oh. Monday and for Saturday. And I was like... I can't go to Sydney. I can't go to Sydney. So you're making gay cupcakes by yourself? I'm making gay cupcakes. <laughs> I'm making gay cupcakes. I'll probably hang out with my girls and just be like, yay. <laughs> Seize the gay. Seize the gay. I'm the only gay left in Victoria. <laughs> we can do a group listening yeah. of this episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, but I think next year, next year for sure, I'm just going to literally like... You need your own off. flotation device. Oh, God. <laughs> Please. It would just be like... Multiple gay inflatable cupcakes. <laughs> you could be dressed up as a gay cupcake. Yeah. Oh my god! I can get twelve people dressed up as gay cupcakes. Yes. I got really high just then. I know. Yeah, it was like blowing out the audio. <laughs> That's when you know that we're having a good time. Oh dear. And so back to the gym. How do you keep yourself in shape? Like now that you you are kind of. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'll say that a bit louder. I don't. <laughs> Like it's hard. You're obviously you do go to the gym, yeah. but then you're also taste testing really, you know, yeah, delectable foods all the time. Literally the other day, I had 
a piece of peanut caramel dark chocolate tart. Mm. It was full of sugar, full of condensed milk, full of chocolate, full of peanut butter, full of butter. Do you have any left? Full of cream. Uh... No, I, I actually sent it to a few people. <sighs> but look, Why was I you, not one you, of them? Well, you've got a slice in the freezer right uh, yes, now. Yes, this is true. This is true. Although yours is sugar-free and also I know. I'm like, mine's not the fun one, but, but like whatever. Really yum. So, <laughs> um, I'm finding it really difficult because I'm, I'm having to eat these really indulgent things that I actually don't really eat. Yeah. Like, I just don't. Like, it's not... I've never had a sweet tooth. And that's mm. probably why I, I struggled on MasterChef cooking sweets because I never had the sweet tooth and mm. so I never made pastries. But now I am and because I'm testing it for these other things. And then I'm testing the food at the George, which is actually quite clean compared to most restaurant foods just because it is Vietnamese. Mm. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm eating a lot more than I used to and it's all random, which is so bad for your gut. Yeah. Just because it's not like, it's like high fat here, high carb there, high sugar. And it's like three different proteins in the same sitting. Yeah. Like it's like, it really messes with my gut. And I know that like, I work out a lot. I go to the gym probably an hour and a half to two hours every day. Yeah. My body Whoa. doesn't change. Ah, so you're just keeping at neutral. Level. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's cancelling. Yeah. Out. And it's, I'm finding it really hard. I'm trying to stop now. Uh, being part of like this whole hospitality industry and owning a restaurant bar means that I'm next to alcohol every day that I'm in there. Mm. Like tonight I'll probably end up having a drink mm. just because yeah. I won't, I won't get smashed. You'll just but have a casual I'm, drink. But I literally would have, so right now what I'm doing is I'm having dinner there with friends most nights, mm. which means every night I'm having one or two drinks. And an extravagant meal. Yeah, and an extravagant meal. Yeah. So it's kind of like every single night I'm blowing out because I think, no, no, this is work still. Like I'm still like. Yeah, and yeah. it's part of it. You're sitting yeah. down with people to eat there yeah. and share it with them. It's like yeah. part of their experience. Exactly. So, yeah. so I'm finding that's what I'm really struggling with, like the whole keeping my diet un- under control. When I'm at home, not a problem. Like I eat so clean mm. when I'm out of home. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard, especially because my work now is in food. But it, but it just means that I'm eating a lot. <laughs> <coughs> and what about dating? Do you oh have any time in between for a love life? I tried that. <laughs> I literally tried that this year. It's only February. No, it's March now. Oh my God, it's March It's March now. What the hell? I tried that. It doesn't work. I know that's supposed to be like the work-life balance. balance thing. But right now, I'm really happy with what's happening. Oh, good. Like... You're just not searching. Like you're I'm not, not searching. Yeah. I'm yeah. not searching. I, I tried to even have like someone that I see all the time that wasn't dating. That was not working mm. i would get annoyed about late nights other person would get annoyed about well why can't we have late nights well because i have to work tomorrow yeah and like when i have a late night it actually throws me off whack for the next three days yeah because i was so drunk that night so it's <laughs> kind of like yeah it, it just doesn't work and i'm not looking i'm really happy i'm i'm obviously still dating yeah like i still go on dates but it's like now the dates have no I don't see it as like, oh, I'm going on this date because you could be my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go on this date. And just see what happens. I've got time for a date. Yeah, time for a date. Yeah. And I see yeah, what yeah. happens. Yeah. Um and I think that it's really funny because I actually found myself in a position earlier this year where I was like in the same week on four different dates. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> but none of them were serious. <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah. But it's fine. Yeah. Like, it's like explore like I'm I'm 27 like I'm not ready I've yeah. got 
I've got a restaurant that needs to do well and I've got three other things that need to do well. You've got other year. things on at the moment. Yeah. Other priorities. And it's like, it's, oh, it's really sad though because like I've always been like that. Like I've always, always been like career is more important. Mm. Uh, obviously dating, if it comes along, it comes along. But like this is probably when it's going to come along. Like, I'll probably have a boyfriend next week. Yeah, I know. I'd be like, like, you need to edit that episode. <laughs> yeah. You, just be like, I've met him before the episode and we fell in love deeply. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, dating, dating has been different. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Second last question, just to finish up. Three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation. I am a black belt three st- two stripe. In Taekwondo. Shut up. Yep. The motherland. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Taekwondo. Three. I used to do Taekwondo. I have two trophies at home. So Nine random. years. Oh, uh, extending from that, national champion. <gasps> Shut up. Wait, funny story behind that. Oh, my God. Tell me. Black belt, two stripe at 14. <gasps> no, I was black belt, one stripe when I won the national tro- champ- um, the trophy, the national whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so I was black belt, one stripe. I was 14. I was severely overweight. Oh my god! Yep, regionals, uncontested, made it through to states. States, uncontested, <laughs> made it through to nationals. Nationals, uncontested. You're national champion now. Oh my god! <laughs> shut up! That is amazing. Oh, ridiculous! Oh my is that? god! Don't tell anyone about the uncontested. <laughs> That's so good. Well, because for for my weight class and my belt and my age, there's no one else. There was no one else. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I was like, I'm. Fat black belt, fourteen year old. <laughs> oh. All right, two more. I usually oh. say tattoos, but everyone's seen your t- your amazing tattoos. Yeah. So what's your other two things? Uh, Just that don't usually come up in these interviews, like pet peeves or like weird obsessions or. Oh my god! I pretend that I don't like cats. Oh. Okay. Why? Really strange. Why? I always go ill cats, but then like a cat will come to me and I'll be like, oh my god, you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would like cuddle the fuck out of a cat, so but then I'm you. always like, I hate cats. Like I, I always that. say it. It's because it's trendy. Because dogs are cute, <laughs> and everyone's like. Ugh. I think Elizabeth used to have a cat. She still does. And you were um, like, you cat? I'm like, it'll get the cat away from me. And she's like, <laughs> you love my cat. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Great one. Yeah. Number three. Um, the third one. Um, people might know this, but I have a weird obsession with crystals. Oh, I did know this. Yeah, yeah. You, you knew this. I probably have about seven, eight grams worth of crystals <laughs> in my room Amazing. that I have bought over time. There's a manifestation stone that I have in there that is about the size of your thumb that cost me $400. Oh, my God. Because it's a crystal growing inside of another crystal. So, <gasps> like, it's like double manifestation. Oh, my so God. It's a crystal baby. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Anyway, I, I, and I, I sleep with them sometimes under my pillow. It so obviously works because look what you're manifesting. <laughs> Thank Seriously. You. But yeah, so I have these manifestation stones and like and other stones. So it's like, I, I need a little bit of self-love. I'll sleep with the rose quartz underneath my bed. Yeah. Or like if I need manifestation, then I have the, that one. If I need grounding, I have a smoky quartz. Like yeah. whatever I feel like I'm lacking in my life goes under my bed. Amazing. Yeah. And I sometimes I carry them on big like meetings and interviews. Yeah. I'll keep them in my hand. All through MasterChef, I had them in my hand. And the first time really? that I went into an elimination challenge, had it in your hand. I had dropped the stone <gasps> as they were announcing it. I was like, I'm going in. Because I was holding to this stone mm. and it was my luck. It was Jade. Mm. And I dropped it and I was like, that's a sign. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> How weird. So weird. So those are my three... They were really good. Yeah, thank and you. And last one, since I love quotes so much, what is your favourite motivational quote? <laughs> so my, my, this one really resonated with me. It's failure is the opportunity to begin again, but with more experience. 
I love that. And I love it so much. And That's it just such made, a good one. Because it, you, then you think back and you're like, yeah. Amazing. Like, yeah, because it's kind of like, it's okay if it's not going to work out for you. Because yeah. it will in the long run. Because now you know, you've learned. Totally. Yeah. Well, this was amazing. Thank, thank you. you so much no, for thank, squeezing this in. No, thank you. Like this, like obviously to you, you're like, oh, it's my podcast. But to me, it's another platform. Yeah. Like, and especially for Mardi Gras coming up, like it's a special time. And it's a, it's, it's a really nice moment to be able to actually speak about the other side of me that I don't get to speak about a lot, which is like the gay side, like the growing up side, mm. the like, yeah. So all of that. So I've really appreciated having you here. Oh, thank you. I think it's such good timing because you are such a role model for anyone. I mean, anyone in general, but particularly people who are worried about coming out of the closet or have come out of the closet and are Mm. still struggling to accept themselves or find Mm. the right network. Like you're a really strong example that you you can be happy with who you are. You can find people who are, Mm. who love you for who you are. 100%. It's a tough journey sometimes, but yeah. you get there in the end. And so I just wanted to add on that. Like, if you do listen to Sarah's podcast and you do think that someone needs that kind of message, I really recommend you kind of pass this on because Aww, like, I think kind. it's important. Yeah. Just hearing those words is actually quite, those words, are, like it's quite helpful. Like I think that like sometimes you, like I felt like when I was younger, all I really needed was for someone who I wasn't out to to just literally just turn, not make a big deal out of it and just yeah. be like, I love you. Yeah. Like it's, that's all you kind of need sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like this podcast can do that. It's kind oh, of just like, you. it's the right messaging, which I love. Oh, I'm so glad. That's exactly what I want it to be. I want it to be like everyone who's listening to feel like they're getting a hug. Yeah. Like that's kind of, I always say people won't remember what you say or what you do. They'll always remember how, how you, you made them, them feel. feel. Yeah. And for me, that's like, I want them to feel A, like they've just had a massive hug and B, like they've got a, a cheerleader. Who's yeah. Like you are fucking awesome. You like, are. Go do your thing. And like the reason, like you feel different, but the reason that you are different makes you special. Like exactly. You're different because there's no you, no one else is out there. So like, don't be ashamed of it. Don't hide away. Be proud. Be out there. Let people know who you are because, like, you're special. Absolutely. Thank you're you. special. Thank you. <laughs> so, that blew out a little longer than expected, but that's what I love about Khan. We can yuck on for ages about anything and everything. We tried out his new menu at the George John Collins last night and it was to die for. So head in if you're in Melbourne, it is well worth a visit. I hope you gained some insights and learned something new. I know I certainly did. Wish I could do two episodes every week. Seriously, this was so much fun. So please take his advice and keep sharing this with friends and family so that one day that might be possible. And as always, please do screenshot this episode now to share on socials, tagging us both so we know what you think. It would bring me so much yay. Hope you have a wonderful Mardi Gras weekend, whether you celebrate it or not, and are seizing your yay.